The rest of us, let's turn to Psalm 19, not 119, but Psalm 19. And uh, we will spend some time Thursday talking about God's goodness and the history and things that God has done here in the United States in our evening service and then have a nice little ice cream social after the service, uh, just a time to uh, relax, have a little fun, and uh, yet uh, just... uh, uh, allow you time to, to spend with family and other things, if, if that be the case. But Psalm 19, let's just read through these 14 verses here. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. We look at this psalm here, and it is one of the psalms that is signed. Uh, This is a psalm of David. And as we work our way through this psalm, what we want to keep in mind is the simple fact that God is good. God is good in creation. That's the first segment of this psalm. God is good in His words, in His revelation to man. In our surrender, it talks about the fear of the Lord to those things. In keeping them, there's great reward. Uh, It tells us that we're to desire His words more than gold. Now, I I would dare say, uh, if... uh, and this would just be a, a joke here, but uh, if I were to find uh, five one-ounce gold coins and tell you that they're hid, 
in this auditorium and whoever finds them would keep them. How many of you just sit there and go, yeah, this is a joke, right? I mean, one ounce of gold is about $1,400 right now. I think bricks are like 30 pounds, which works out to about half a million dollars. One little chunk of gold this big. You stop and you think about that. That's insane, is it not? But I'll tell you what, this book is better than gold. It's worth more. It is more precious. Is there anything sweeter than honey? Nothing I know of. The only thing that comes close is freshly made maple syrup. You take that and drizzle it on some snow, and uh, that is the best candy in the whole world, is uh, maple snow. But uh, you can't buy anything sweeter at the chocolate shop. That honeycomb is just... uh, How many of you have ever eaten just raw honeycomb, wax and all? I mean, it's supposed to be very, very healthy and beneficial. But when is it... How many times have we heard, well, the Bible's just a bunch of laws and uh, do's and don'ts. Have we heard, I mean, people say that all the time, don't they? David is saying exactly the opposite. And then he goes down and he makes the most important, I believe, connection with God's goodness in my and yours in our personal lives. You know, we can stand here and say, God is good, God is good, God is good. But when God does something personally in your life, that's exciting, is it not? When something, when God, and we had several people raise their hand, God answered my prayer. I just want to praise the Lord for that. I mean... When you've prayed about something, and I encourage you, each one of us, to take something special and just pray between us and the Lord, between you and the Lord. Many of our unspoken requests would come under that category. Things that we wouldn't be comfortable sharing in public, but we need God to intervene. And when God does, it's always a special special thrill. You know, God is good. Hebrews 11, He that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them. This is how faith works. And and so, as we look through this psalm, we, we have the overriding theme is God's goodness. Now, let's start in verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. Now, I could, if, if I were more organized and had lots of time here, uh, get all of those, uh, not all, but uh, many of those pictures from the Hubble Space Telescope. How many of you have ever looked at those things? I mean, you talk about beautiful things. And you know what you're looking at? Dust, rocks, and big rocks. Uh, I mean, that's what's out there in space. 
how many billion dollars did we spend to send this little rover to Mars to go and then look down and put a laser beam on the dirt and try to analyze what is there? And you know what they found? Dirt, dust, rocks. That's all they found. And that's all they're going to find. But, but there, there's the possibility. I mean, how many times have you heard this? Uh, when uh, the rover died the other day, I guess they, they were all really sad. The battery didn't respond for so many hours, and so they've pronounced the little thing dead. Uh, I don't know about you. I just wonder if there's some angel sitting up there going, eh, 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 just playing with it to freak the guys at uh, NASA out. That would be so much fun, wouldn't it? I mean, they found these little divots in the soil. You remember that one? And, and they couldn't figure out. Something, something made those. And then they looked again and found out the wind had rolled a rock uh, across the surface of Mars and made marks. And, and we discovered that. Oh, how smart we are. Instead of playing with the creation, how about we seek the glory of the Creator? The heavens declare the glory of God. And we've got the contrast here, or a different way, a restatement. And the firmament showeth His handiwork. The firmament and the heavens are basically the same thing, technically, uh, there is a firmament referring to Earth's atmosphere, and then the heavens, of course, in outer space. And uh, reminds me of one of Brother Clayton's little jokes was uh, 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 there was a man on, on, uh, witnessing at a trial, and the, the uh, hotshot judge thought he was going to have fun with the old man. He says, "Now listen," he says, "You saw." My client, you saw this man over here commit the crime. He said, yes, sir, I did. He said, it was dark, old man. It was late at night. How far can you see in the dark, old man? He says, on a clear night, I can see the whole way to the moon. Uh, I'll tell you what. The heavens declare the glory of God. We just celebrated the 100th anniversary of the Apollo moon landing. Now, most of you won't remember these things. I I remember seeing it on TV. We had a little black and white screen. It was this big around. And uh, uh, my dad had his uh, eight millimeter projector there. And I think we still had the film somewhere, the jumping up and down and the pictures out of phase and uh, and uh, the astronaut jumping off. And, of course, they had no idea what to expect. If you've ever been to the Smithsonian or one of those museums and saw the uh, lunar module, it had these great big, huge pads for feet. Because the evolutionists believed that the uh, universe was billions of years old, and if it were, the dust layer on the moon could have been upwards of 100 feet deep And so as the uh, 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 eagle would have landed, the exhaust would have blown a hole in the dust and buried the astronauts forever. 
And so these big pads were supposed to protect that. Do you know how deep the dust was on the moon? About that deep. Somebody did the math. It corresponds with a six to 10,000 year old universe, which corresponds with uh, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. I just love my Bible, don't you? And we, all we have to do is look up into the sky and see the glory of God. It says, The firmament showeth his handiwork. I remember when we got our first baptistry, it was a horse tank, a horse trough, and we put it up here on the platform. And I think Peter was probably about eight or ten, and Andrew was six or seven. And uh, we we put that up and said, now we got to fill this, boys. we got five-gallon buckets here. It was a 300-gallon tank. So you start doing the math. Uh, we went out and bought a garden hose. <laughs> but how many of you have witnessed that little tearjerker we had this afternoon just blow through and dump about two inches of rain in 20 minutes? You see, the firmament showeth his handiwork. How in the world do you carry that much water? Do you realize the, the water system for New York City could not move that much water that quickly? That's, that's his handiwork. You know, when a cake decorator sits there and, and uh, decorates a cake and makes all those fancy little things, what do you do with the cake? Eat it. That, that's handiwork. It's what is done in your spare time. It is the little things that you do that, that aren't meant to uh, last. One of the commentators said, well, it's not handy in the idea of handy. It's the work of God's hands. And No, no, the psalmist is telling us these are the little trivial things that God does. We can see Him. And boy, if I spend this much time on every verse, it would take us a month to get through this psalm. But you get to the next one. It says, day unto day, uttereth speech, and night unto night, showeth knowledge. How many of you have ever just went out after dark in an area unlike New York City where there's no ground light and just looked up into the heavens at night? You know what happens? You learn things. If you just look up into the sky during the day, you know what? You learn things. And you can keep learning things all your life and you will never know everything there is to know in creation. Could we say amen to that? The psalmist is saying you can never know everything. And there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. The ancient Egyptians, what was all of those hieroglyphics and everything and the building of the pyramids? You know what we found out? They were studying the movement of the sun and the moon and the stars. 
And on the king's birthday that is buried in the Great Pyramid, the sun shines right through one of those little holes in the pyramid and is reflected right down in the center of the pyramid on the tomb of the king on his birthday. Anybody here smart enough to figure that out? I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not getting in line for that job. Stonehenge. The monolithic stones. The cavemen. I want to challenge you, they weren't cavemen. It is one of the most accurate lunar calendars that man has ever known. Built by cavemen. Yeah. Sure. No. There is no speech. There is no place where men talk to one another or even draw pictures that the sun, the moon, the stars, God's creation is not reflected in the speech of man. Now look at verse 4. And we get this little thing about the sun. Their line has gone out through all the earth. Their words until the end of the world. So we see that you cannot ever get past the end of God's firmament or His heavens. I mean, you can go around the world a thousand times. We've proved this with the space shuttle. Uh, When you're heading east, when you take off, guess what direction you're heading in when you land? East. You can't turn the thing around. And uh, you can't ever... I mean, we, we finally sent... Our first little thing, uh, I think it was launched in uh, the mid-70s, and finally it blipped past Pluto here just uh, this past year sometime. And so we finally sent one thing outside our galaxy, outside uh, our, our little nine planets. Of course, they don't want to count Pluto anymore because uh, it's not a real planet. It's only a little planet. Forgive me, I'm not going to worry about such things. But you can't ever find the end of it. And we get to verse 4, and it talks about a tabernacle for the sun. Now, tabernacle just simply means a tent. Have you ever thought about our universe as a tent in which the sun operates? That puts it all in a different perspective. How many of you are here in Sunday school? Uh, I think Andrew was teaching that Sunday and, uh, on uh, the creation and showed the difference between sizes of things in our universe. And you start out with Earth, which is huge. And we got a moon that goes around the Earth. And Pluto is really not much bigger than our moon. But then you get Jupiter and Saturn in there and Uranus and Earth looks awful small until you get the sun out. Then Jupiter looks awful small until you get many of these other stars and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until you're starting to measure stars in dimensions that are just 
complete, you can't use kilometers anymore because it's so many billions of kilometers in diameter that it just doesn't even make sense. But we have a tent and the sun moves inside that tent. It operates. It, it says as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. Now, what that is speaking thereof in the Jewish traditional wedding, it was the bride who would live with her parents. Uh, they would be formally engaged which or espoused is the Bible word, which is the actual marriage ceremony. And then the groom uh, would have a time period to uh, provide for his household and build his house and till his land and make sure that he could support his uh, bride. And when all of those things were set in order, then he would surprise his bride by leaving his house in the middle of the night many times and marching across the city and his friends would join with him and by the time they got to the house of the bride, the word had already been passed along. It's tonight. He's coming. Get ready. And many times in the bride's house, things would be flying everywhere. As uh, Then she would walk back to the house of the bridegroom and the bridal and, and the wedding feast would then begin. Sometimes it would only last a day or two. Uh, other times it would last several days, maybe even a whole week. And they would enjoy that time together, that expectation of your wedding day. If you've ever seen these races that they run, you've, you've got uh, a, a bunch of people who are there. But then you have, in the Olympics, you have some people, they, I mean, they are ready to run the race. And, and that's just the, the anticipation. The sun doesn't slow down. Amen? And, of course... The Bible says his going forth is from the end of the heaven and a circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. And we finish here the issue of creation. Now, some people have gone in. They said, I see the Bible talks about the sun moving. Therefore, the sun must move. Uh, the text does not demand the sun to move. But I will tell you something. If I stand here on earth and look up at the sun with, use those special glasses so you don't burn your eyes out, of course. Uh, it sure looks like the sun is moving now, doesn't it? Could the sun be setting still and the earth moving around the sun like most people say? Absolutely. Would that violate scripture in any way? No. Don't get caught up in the geocentric Universe guys or the flat earthers, I guess that's the new thing. I don't know how anybody be that dumb. All you got to do is put online and go to uh, Google Earth and get, uh, get the camera at the top of that building in Dubai. You can see the curvature of the earth from a quarter mile up in the atmosphere. Uh, I really don't want to do that myself. I'll just look at the pictures. Amen? And uh, somebody years ago sent a picture of the steel worker. One of the steel workers on that building took as they were putting the last piece of steel in place. And you're just sitting there going, 
There's just way too much nothing in this picture. I, I, I am. It gives me the creeps just to think about it. Uh, I'm not. I'm not that good at heights, and I really don't want to be. Amen. But here's what we have. Do you realize that even in the deep dark caves of this world, the sun is still working. If the sun were not heating our planet, do you know what the temperature would be? 285 degrees below zero Fahrenheit. That's basically what we call absolute zero. That is the temperature of outer space. And uh, listen, you stop and you think, we can calculate how far the earth is from the sun. We can check our rotation and our access and all of these things. And the immediacy and the synchronization of all of these things demand only one thing. There had to be a watchmaker. Otherwise, it wouldn't work. Do you realize that the sun, in order to produce its energy works on hundreds of thousands of microblasts timed to nanoseconds. That's a millionth of a second. Our sun is like one uh, thermonuclear explosion after another, hundreds of thousands of them timed to one millionth of a second. And if for one reason the sun got out of sync, even just a few of those blasts, it would put itself out. And yet it's been burning for all of these years. Man has yet to create anything anywhere near as complicated as the sun. And yet we want to think how smart we are. I'll tell you what, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth His handiwork. Every day we can learn something new, but we see God's goodness in creation. Do we, do we see that? Now, let's go to verse 7, and now it's going to talk about God's goodness in His revelation. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Now look what it says here. It doesn't say making simple the wise. It says making wise the simple. Now, under normal circumstances, that would be saying taking smart people, making them dumb, right? Well, what is, the, what is God trying to teach us here through the words of the psalmist? He is setting man free for man's own wisdom. Aren't you glad about that? Isn't that a wonderful thing? I mean, one of the great things that we have dealt with as we've tried to restore the Union Baptist Church building and, and evaluating the property there at community and doing things here at Open Door, all these projects over the years is had to figure out how to do things. Because they don't write books on how to fix old walls. 
and they don't tell you all of these things. Some of them are uh, the guys that invented these processes are long dead and gone. Their tools are all gone. I mean, and you've got to figure a way to recreate things that used to be done by craftsmen and skilled labor. Well, since we don't have any craftsmen or skilled labor, we'll do it ourselves. We'll figure this thing out. But you've got to take time to think about that and figure it all out. God says, I'm setting you free from all of that. I'm setting you free from your own wisdom. God has to convert our soul. He has to change it. He has to take our wisdom and destroy it. The statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. How many of you understand what it is to do something and do it right? Do it the right way. I mean, there's just a special accomplishment, a special feeling inside. The Bible says it rejoices the heart. To know. We, we live in a world that is celebrating uh, the most debased, uh, perverse activities that human beings in rebellion to God can participate in. And they call it Pride Month. Now, there's a reason for that. The greatest sin in the Bible is pride. You know what? It says here that the statutes, the laws of God are right, rejoicing the heart. You know, I've never regretted being obedient to God. Amen? The testimony of the Lord... I'm sorry... Uh, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. I mean, how many foolish things have I brought into this pulpit to share with you that have been said by our illustrious politicians? I mean, you, you remember uh, dear little AOC as she was talking about the $300 billion tax cut that was going to be given to Amazon, that that money should be spent somewhere else. Uh, excuse me, do you know how much income a company has to generate to get a tax cut? And if the company isn't here and doesn't make the money, there's no tax cut and no jobs and no nothing. You know what we say about people like that? They just can't see the truth. Hey, the Bible says... The God's, the commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous all together. More desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Now we get into the last part of this. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. You know, God's word tells us the difference between right and wrong. God will help us understand the way we're supposed to walk. And in, the, in keeping of them, there is great reward. I'll tell you what, I am looking forward to the new Jerusalem. I want to walk on streets that are made out of gold so pure that it's clear as crystal. 
I don't know what that's going to feel like, but I'll tell you this, it's going to be cool. Uh, I am looking forward to having something to cast at Jesus' feet. To live in a city where the gates are made out of pearl. Not pearls, but one pearl. They say Queen Cleopatra hired an entire army, the one that was destroyed by uh, Augustus and ended up her committing suicide. She bought a whole army with a pearl, one pearl that you could hold in your hand. Imagine a pearl hundreds of feet in diameter makes an entire gate of a city. That's going to be one incredible place. There is much reward to hear God say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. It says here, Who can understand his errors? Now, does God make errors? Of course not. He's God. He doesn't do anything wrong. The psalmist here is using what we call uh, a, a... Poetical statement here, uh, uh, and what he is simply saying is, is there anyone who can charge God with error? Answer is absolutely not. And then he says, cleanse thou me from secret faults. Now, who are these faults kept secret from? Is David talking about his sin with Bathsheba? Actually, that wasn't a secret fault. There was Nathan standing in the, uh, the gate of the city, pointing his finger in David's face before all of his soldiers and all of his men and the entire city of Jerusalem saying, Thou art the man. That wasn't his secret sins. The secret sins are the things that we do wrong that we don't even have enough sense to know that we've done wrong. How many of us would say guilty as charged? Yeah, we all are. And the psalmist here, David, is saying, cleanse thou me from secret faults. The things that I don't even know that I have sinned against you. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Now, the simple truth is, again, the thought that was in verse 12, who can understand his errors? Who can charge God with errors? This is more a statement of fact. It's not a plea to God to keep me from presumptuous sins. It is a statement that this is what God is going to do to those who love him and serve them. God will not allow sin to have dominion. Do Christians sin all too much? Do Christians ever have to sin? No, ever. I mean, we've had many people over the years that say, Pastor, I, I got a problem. I can't quit smoking for one. So, well, listen, this is very simple. You, you cannot be a faithful member of our church and go out and tell people that you're a part of our church if you do that. 
because that is contradictory. The Bible says that we shouldn't be there. We shouldn't do these things. But as long as you are working on quitting, we want to help you do it. But if you come and say, hey, I'm just going to, I give up. I'm going to smoke the rest of my life. I cannot get the victory. Well, then you're going to have to take that somewhere else and figure it out. Because that's not the God of the Bible. God gives us the ability to fight sin. The problem is we keep getting tripped up with the same sins, most of us. Whether it's losing our temper or other things, we just have to understand that we need to draw close to God. And it says, I shall not, I shall be innocent from the great transgression. What is the great transgression? The best I can figure the great transgression in is, is a false profession of faith in Christ. How many people, Jesus said, there are going to be many in that day that stand before me and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name done many marvelous works? And he's going to say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. The psalmist here is saying, I have faith in God. God is good. God is the one who does the saving It's not my works that keep me saved. It is God that keeps me from these sins. It is God that keeps me from going back to the world where I used to live. It is God that keeps me saved forever. Amen? And then we get this last one here. And this is the key to keeping God's goodness fresh and new in our lives. Let the words of my mouth And the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. Uh, I am glad you are a very patient church. For two years, while we were working almost full time over at Union, you heard about Union every service. Because that's what we were doing. What's on your heart? What, what, what your life is about? You're going to tell people about. You ever met anybody and the first words out of their mouth was, What do you think of my truck? I've met people like that. Or, Do you go hunting? Or, Do you go fishing? Uh, or, Look at my old car. Um, listen. Let the words of my heart... I mean, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Oh, that we would train our heart to think about God. That our relationship with God would be so wonderful that instead of talking about all these things that make up this thing called life, our first thought would be to talk about God. Do you think that would keep us from presumptuous sins? Do you think that would make us not guilty of the great innocent, of the great transgression? I promise you that's the way it's going to work. 
God's law, his statutes, all of those things are different names for God's law. Don't ever get upset or bored with God's laws. God's laws teach us about God's grace. God is good. He is good in creation. He is good in His revelation, in the giving of His words. His words are good. There is nothing that man has ever come up with that comes anywhere close to the Word of God. But God is good in my life. He will warn me. He will keep me. He will bless me. He will give me the right desires. But He wants me to order the meditation of my heart in the words of my mouth and all God's people said. Heavenly Father,